And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, or five. Hello and welcome to the Force 5 podcast. As always, I'm your host, ex-video store clerk, wannabe screenwriter, and fellow listener, Jason Kleberg. For as long as I can remember, I've wanted to make movies. I started making and editing my first movies at age 15, using my parents' VHSC video camera and two VHS players to edit as I made humorous versions of America's wildest police chases, using my sister in a laundry basket as the driver who had just a little too much apple juice not to slam into her stuffed animals. Since then, it's gotten easier and easier to make films, with directors like Steven Soderbergh and Sean Baker releasing full movies filmed on iPhones. And Patrick Young and Powell Robinson took that formula of working what they had to make Threshold, a film released by Arrow in 2020. They hit the road with two cars, two iPhones, two actors, and just a 23-page outline and made their film on the go. It's a truly inspiring story that's led to many other future opportunities, some of which can't be discussed on the air just yet, but range from film to developing TV series. And that's where we land today, as Force 5 takes a rare turn venturing into the world of the boob tube to talk terrifying TV episodes, a topic that has a surprising amount of depth. Before we get to Patrick and Powell, last week we got some social media interaction. Uh, it was top five Texas films with That Texas Blood writer Chris Condon. And uh, plenty of people had opinions about what they thought the best Texas films were. Friend of the show Moose said Terms of Endearment, which I have never seen, but he's urging me to. Recent guest and film director Jim Hemphill reached out and said Texasville with some exclamation marks so we know he loves it. If there's anybody's opinion I'm going to trust about film, it is definitely his. Matt Stillman says, Dazed and confused and slacker, I am surprised that we did not have any link ladder on our lists. And Derek Johns says, Boyhood, Dazed and Confused, Friday Night Lights, Bernie, and Hell or High Water. And my good friend Monica reached out and said, Office Space, which I had mentioned in the episode, and the only reason it didn't make my list is explained in that episode as well. Thank you for your social media outreach. If you want to get involved with the show, Force5Pod on Twitter, Force5Podcast on Instagram, and your comment might make next week's show. It was an uncharacteristically busy week for me this week, so I only got to see one film, but I'm glad that I saw it. It's 2021's Jacob's Wife. How do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? You make plans for things, life happens. I want to live a bigger life. You know, Anne, I am surprised that you wound up marrying Jacob. Whatever happened to the adventurous Anne? Anne is married to a small-town minister named Jacob. She plays the role of housewife, but feels like her life has been shrinking over the past 30 years. When an old flame comes into town, they go to check out a local real estate deal and encounter a strange creature in the basement. When she emerges, she's got a new sense of power and an appetite for life. Unfortunately, she's also got an appetite for blood. 
In terms of horror subgenres, vampire films are among my least favorite because there's only so much you can do with the subject and it's hard to take a villain seriously when you could beat them with a clove of garlic and a sunroof. Very rarely do vampire films work for me, but I really had fun with Jacob's Wife and there's a couple reasons why. First, the actors are really great in these roles. Second, the film goes in a different direction than you might think. And finally, even with all this crazy shit happening, it never takes itself too seriously and has moments of genuine comedy. Larry Fessenden plays the minister and horror legend Barbara Crampton plays the titular wife. They're both cast perfectly and are able to have a lot of fun with these roles. As Anne starts turning into this full-fledged bloodsucker, I thought for sure that the rest of the movie was going to be about Jacob being suspicious about her activity, thinking she was being unfaithful, and she's trying to hide it while only drawing suspicion to herself. And this is a plot we've seen done a million times. Fortunately, it subverts expectations, and he finds out almost instantly. And it's this reveal that turns the film in a direction that I did not see it going, and I really enjoyed how things played out. The Minister Jacob's journey from straight-laced weenie into something totally different is really fun to watch, and as Anne turns, she also exudes uncharacteristic sexuality, and at 62, Barbara Crampton is still hotter than a cucumber in a women's prison. Being a vampire movie, there's got to be gore, and although the moments of bloodshed are few and far between, when they do happen, blood is shed. I'm talking when necks are bitten in this thing, blood doesn't trickle out, it fucking sprays. Even going so far as to have someone's head just completely torn off so that a vampire can use the stump as a literal drinking fountain. And there's nothing quite like hearing somebody say, I'm gonna tongue fuck a hole in your neck until you puke blood. Now, Jacob's wife isn't without its faults. It's a little long in the tooth, pun definitely intended, and could have used another edit, but the camera work is solid, the performances are fantastic, the gore effects are cool, it's funny, and in terms of vampire movies, I had a really good time with this. If you're looking for a horror film with just a touch of lore and a dash of comedy, check this out. I think you're going to have a good time. And speaking of good times, it's time to introduce this week's sponsor, Gibbons. It's the new year, and you're probably already failing on those New Year's resolutions to eat better and not be such a disgusting slob. Yeah, I'm talking to you. But Gibbons makes eating healthy easy, and for the new year, they've got a new red tag sale. They also don't have any rats in their stores, I promise. No rats. But don't take it from me, here's the owner, Len Gibbons. This week at Gibbons Markets, we're having our Harvest Time Red Tag Sale. All red tagged items are 40 cents off. Oh, and just to let you know, we've never had a rat here at Gibbons. I, I don't know what that was in reference to, but uh, if you're looking for savings, look to Gibbons. Visit any of Gibbons' 15 convenient locations and tell them the Force 5 sent you. It's not going to get you anything, but it'll probably make Len smile. Gibbons, selling good food to good people since 1926. Welcome back to the Force 5 podcast. Today I've got filmmakers Patrick Young and Powell Robinson with me. They are co-directors of the 2021 film Threshold, which is about Virginia, an ex-cult member who claims to be cursed, and her brother who reluctantly takes her on a cross-country road trip to break her hex. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, Hi, Jason. Thanks, for thanks for having us. Ooh, jinx. <laughs> I'm happy to have you on. I I know you guys have talked ad nauseum in interviews about how the film got made 
And if you listeners, if you want to hear the full story of how this movie got made, it's like it's a really, really cool story. You can go and buy the Arrow Blu-ray, which has two different commentary tracks, which, um, again, a great package from Arrow. But before we get into our topic here, guys, what's your selling point for people to go check out Threshold? Well, besides the the two commentaries, um, actually, that we did alongside the film, we have a documentary in there that's actually longer than the movie itself, which sort of tracks our journey um, in hindsight through making the movie all the way through post. And you can see not only our process, but the actor's process, uh, our post uh, editor sound and um, color team process. And it's um, a little more comprehensive, I think, on the sort of technical and educational information side than you normally get out of a doc because uh, we did it ourselves. (laughs) And um, (laughs) yeah, it, it was something that Patrick and I put together right before the release because we thought it was as important in some ways as the movie just because we we largely made the film not only just because we were itching to do something but because you hear all the time like everyone says the dumb thing of well everyone has a phone in their pocket and um (laughs) we wanted to be like yes you actually technically can do something worthwhile with that instead of just hearing that same thing pounded into your skull over and over and if you have a story that you like enough it is worth it to go out and do it and hopefully someone gets inspired by us being crazy enough to to try yeah and hopefully your friends are as talented as ours because i gotta say (laughs) for me (laughs) i mean the only reason the movie works is because the two you know performances by madison and joey are as amazing as they are i'd say that's the first selling point like if you want to see two amazing performances you know watch the movie if you want to see some beautiful looking cinematography from pal watch the movie um and like Powell said, you know, hopefully if you're, if you're looking for like an extra kick in the butt to try and go make your own thing at any budget level, watch the movie, watch the doc. Hopefully we help inspire just one other person to do something stupid like us. <laughs> and call in a lot of favors from friends, as I'm sure that you did on the road to making Threshold. Oh, yeah. Always. Uh, well, gentlemen, unlike most episodes of Force 5, we're going to be diving into TV land today, and uh, I want to start with some of your favorite TV shows of all time that might not make a list of ours today. We're talking terrifying TV episodes, but uh, I'll start with Powell. What are some of your favorite TV shows that might not make our list today, just so people have a, a sense of your taste? So that's the funniest part is all of my favorite TV shows are pretty spooky, uh, usually, or at least nice. somewhat inspired by that. And so uh, I've always been a big fan of sort of just uh, supernatural-based shows, um, uh, creepy ghost shows, anything like that, or, or monster-based shows, Monster of the Week kind of things. And so uh, these are on my list, but I'll say them anyway. Supernatural, uh, Buffy, Angel, uh Things like that. I even love deep cut trash like the the failed Dresden Files show, which <laughs> nice. uh, look, they Paul Blackthorne put everything he had into what was unfortunately canceled too soon. Okay, it's not the best thing that was ever made. But it's <laughs> it, the in, the intro has one of the best bass slap nineties fucking uh, score themes you've ever heard. I'll let Patrick keep me from rambling. What what's some of your favorites? <laughs> uh well, so I, I do watch a lot more movies than I do TV. So a lot of my favorite shows are holdovers from the things that helped develop me and develop my tastes. So like my favorite TV show of all time is Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which so if no one's seen is a 
adult, like the very first Adult Swim show using recut footage from a not 60s animation show to make a bizarre talk show. <laughs> so it's those slapdash kinds of things that I love. And then on the, the complete other side of things, you know, I love stuff like Lost, Fringe, you know. Also on that, that sci-fi spectrum, but with a nice emotional sheen to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wondering how much crossover we will have because our influences, although they seem pretty similar, uh, a lot of my stuff are from newer things. So we'll see how much crossover we have here. What was the inspiration behind the list? Obviously, you're, you're filmmakers. Why, why go to TV tonight? It just sounded fun. <laughs> no, no, we, 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 were, we were trying to discuss something, trying to find a different avenue here, uh, something that we could demonstrate. Uh, you know, our types of taste. I mean, we discussed for a second, like, oh, we could do, you know, our top five favorite people jumping away from explosions or, you know, so that's kind of where our head was. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, it's a cool, it's a cool topic and one that I had a lot of fun thinking back to and, and researching and watching some old episodes of TV. Patrick Young, Powell Robinson, you ready to get into this list? Let's do it. Hell yeah. You know what's going to happen? Mm. You know what's happening? Five terrifying TV episodes. Okay, I'm going to start us off here, and uh, I'm going to go with a newer one. This is probably the newest one on my list. At number five, I've got the pilot of the HBO Max original series, 30 Coins. Have you guys seen 30 Coins yet? I have not even heard of it. Top of my list to watch next. Yeah, I've heard it's great. It's amazing. Uh, I'm just going to kind of run through what the gist of the setup is and why you are going to love the pilot. First off, it is feature length, so it's an hour and 30 minutes. Wow. And uh, I said this earlier in the year, if I had counted the pilot of 30 coins as a film, it would have made my top five films of the year. It's amazing horror. It's about this priest who's kind of mysterious and he migrates to this small town in Spain and it's about these 30 coins that date back to the crucifixion of Jesus. It starts off with a bang, but really gets going once we get into this small town. And this cow there gives birth to a human baby. Whoa. All right. Like, that's the setup. And the priest comes in. And, of course, he thinks that the townsfolk swap the calf with a baby to cover up an unwanted pregnancy because it's a very religious town. What was in the water last year between this and lamb and, and some of the other things there is something on people's mind during the pandemic and i don't know if i like it it's definitely developed some really interesting horror that's for sure and uh this one's one of them super tense it has a lot of scenes that have you thinking like what the hell is going on here and some terrifying imagery you guys are going to love 30 Coins, and I think any any listener of this show needs to check out 30 Coins. It's Spanish language, so turn on the subtitles. It doesn't matter. You're going to love it. So that's, uh, that's at my number five. Powell, what do you got at number five? All right, I got a tie. So um, <laughs> this is, I couldn't decide. It's, it's, it's breaking too... <laughs> the rules right away. <laughs> yep. Uh, fuck off. So hubris. Okay, it's because it's two shows that I love, and they're not traditionally either like maybe the scariest things ever been on TV, but they are horror based shows. So it's a tie between uh, everybody loves a clown from supernatural and uh, damage on angel. So basically uh, 
I'll, I'll be brief about it cause I'm not supposed to do two, but here I am doing two. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a weird fear of, um, uh, of, of losing physically like your sense of self. Like one of the grossest things to me in Sin City was when that, uh, her hand was gone and she was like in shock at her hand being gone. You could just like see, mm. you know, um, the loss of the body part and like losing part of it. it was just, it's that kind of shock always gets me. And in, in damage and angel, it results in one of the lead characters getting both of their arms cut off at the elbows. And uh, there's a similar scene in which uh, he wakes up at the end and just sees nothing's there. And it's like this horrifying look of like, Oh God, there should be something there. And there isn't. Um, <laughs> and of course it's, it was a, you know, a, a somewhat YA kids show. And they couldn't get too graphic with it, but they got really dark. <laughs> <laughs> for like for one minute. And so it's, you know, I have way scarier things on this list, but it's one of the scarier moments in a not so scary show. Um and then Supernatural, everybody loves a clown. I just had to say Supernatural on your podcast because I'm a big fan of the show and say that traditionally it's not the scariest thing out there either. It's mostly um character melodrama, abs, and um occasionally some spooky ghost stuff. Sounds like my life. Okay, look, I I binged it to- <laughs> a, 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 a ton again over uh, last year when it was, um, you know, we were all trapped. Uh, but yeah, clowns are scary, and they actually did some really scary stuff with clowns in this one. So I'm I'm putting those two out there if you're a fan of either of those shows to uh, revisit them. All right, dope number five. There we got a, a tie. Patrick Young, number five on your list. So I'll, I'll say this: you know, some of my picks are kind of scaled for age things that affected me and terrified me at a certain certain points in my life uh, one 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 episode of tv that uh stuck in my mind as a kid who hadn't seen as uh, as many scary things as he's as he has now is the boy meets world episode and then there was sean yes this is my number four yes <laughs> so if, if everyone doesn't know boy meets world is a you know normal early 2000s 90s uh, you know, teen comedy romance show. Um, and, and they had a slasher episode in the middle of it. And Jennifer Love Hewitt shows up as, uh, and this is right around, I know what you did last summer. And, you know, the moment that stuck in my head, even, you know, even if, like 15, 20 years after I saw it is this, one of the kids in it just straight up gets a pencil through his forehead. Yeah. And like, and as a kid, <laughs> I, like I had never seen, like I had seen like, poltergeist no not I, didn't, I guess i hadn't even seen poltergeist i'd read like goosebumps you know i hadn't seen anything super gory and that was i mean he got he gets impaled it looks gnarly. yeah, yeah. And that, that stuck <laughs> with me for a very long time yeah this episode's awesome uh not only does he get impaled with this giant pencil oh, that's like a number that's like a number four pencil like it's thick. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's huge and then his body like slumps down the wall. And instead of the, the traditional trail. blood trail, it's a pencil mark. <laughs> and and then Corey walks up to the wall and he says, at least we know how tall he was when he died. Yeah. Watching it now, it's it, I mean, it's it holds up as a, as a hilarious riff on on slashers. But if you're a, a seven year old kid and you don't know what's coming, like that's pretty devastating to watch all of these characters just get knocked off one by one. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's highly effective, and I'm just gonna add on here because, like I said, this is my number four. So it's it's about the Boy Meets World cast. They're in detention, and then all of a sudden, like a projector screen goes up, and you see no one gets out alive, written in blood on the chalkboard. Like that's how this episode starts, and then yeah, it goes into those familiar like slasher tropes. It's basically 
Boy Meets World's version of Scream. And Sean is Scream's Randy. He's like giving everybody and, you know, you as a seven-year-old, you probably hadn't been familiar with the horror tropes. And he's kind of giving that audience like the uh, the play-by-play of what to expect. And you get the jump scares, you get the mass killer. You even get the um, the conversation about virgins being safe in horror mm-hmm. movies, which for Boy Meets World was like pretty out there. It was like, it's kind of like adult stuff, but as goofy as it is, it's about as scary as kids sitcoms get. And it's definitely one of my favorite episodes of that show. Absolutely. Yeah, you can find that right now on uh, on Disney Plus. That's where I rewatched it just to make sure that it held up. And I was like, oh, yeah, this this has to be on the list. Boy Meets World. And then there was Sean. So that's uh, that's also my number four. So we'll go into Powell Robinson. You're number four. Quick note before we get into this. So also on Disney Plus, it's not on my list, right? Now, but so weird is also on Disney Plus. I hadn't seen that since I was a kid. Uh, that show scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. I've never seen that one. Oh yeah, it's so it's it's like it's Disney Channel Supernatural. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. So uh yeah, moving on to my my four uh my final one from more less maybe the scariest thing again out there, but still the scariest of any episode on this show and just something that I really loved was Hush from Buffy. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you have seen the Hush episode. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh studied it in school. <laughs> oh really yeah yeah it's one of the the spookiest ones is tima floating or levitating creepy emaciated guys in suits come and steal everyone's ability to make any noise and then uh choose seven people to cut their hearts out or five people i forgot which what the number was yeah, it's pretty it was like one of the most popular shows on tv decides to do a silent episode yep yeah and it gets it gets really i mean if you really get into the concept it's super upsetting to think that you know what can you do if you literally can't make a noise? You know, there's, there's no way to signal for, for help to in any way at all. And it's really just a uh, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, c- cable TV, they couldn't go too far, but <laughs> <laughs> still yeah, spooky. But playing with your senses and everything. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it feels very claustrophobic and frustrating. Yeah. Hush is a good pick. And if you're, uh, if you've, only been familiar with Joss Whedon's work on big superhero movies. Buffy's kind of where he got his start, so be sure to check that out if you're if you're a fan of his. I know a lot of people are not these days. Cool piece of TV, yeah, absolutely. And if you go onto any like spookiest, scariest TV episode list, that's going to be on there. So you definitely should check out Hush. Patrick, number four for you. So a lot of my seminal films uh, and media growing up the stuff I loved initially was kind of based out of how forbidden they were. You know, we had in, in my, cause we, when I'm grown up, you know, first kindergarten, uh, first grade or kindergarten, uh, we lived in a small apartment and all of the VHSs, all my parents' VHSs were kept in my closet. And so whenever they asked like, Oh, we're going to watch a movie, Patrick, can you go grab one and go in my room? And I'd pick, I'd be frustrating at first. I'd pick out the scary ones first like oh oh you want to watch silence of the lambs i don't know what it is but it looks scary knowing that they'd say haha no kind of a thing <laughs> um and, and 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 then eventually when i did see it I, I loved it and one of the the scary legend mo- shows i grew up uh 
hearing my mom talk about what she thought was super scary and, and forbidden uh, was the X-Files episode Home, which, which surrounds a, you know, as Texas Chainsaw of a Massacre style family uh, as you can get on X-Files. And when <laughs> I finally did watch it, yep, that is a scary <laughs> ass bit of television. <laughs> I mean, I, I have the, the image of, of you know, because it's, it's a, I don't, I don't think they're, they're cannibals, but it's, it, it's an inbred, messed up family who's, who's causing trouble. And they eventually they find one of the family members just unable to move under a bed. And, and I have the image of, of the messed up face of that person under the bed just burned into my head. Ian, you know, I think that you and I, Patrick, would be really good friends because this is also on my list. <laughs> so again, I'm going to jump in with with my, I guess, number three here I now. I guarantee you my next three aren't. I swear. <laughs> so uh, look, listeners, if you haven't seen X-Files, it's an awesome show. It centers on Mulder and Scully. They are two FBI agents and they work on the X-Files, which are like paranormal things. And Mulder's a believer and Scully's the skeptic. And together they have this really great chemistry. But this episode, Home, is for sure their most insane most insane episode they ever did. It's the first episode that they ever did to receive a mature TV rating. Just like you said, it's about the Peacock family. Yep. They look terrifying. They're all like deformed and twisted and, it, and things kick off because this deformed baby is found buried in a baseball diamond. And so that's why Mulder and Scully come to town. And the Peacock family, they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's three brothers. They couldn't have had this kid. But they're like, well, they have to have been keeping a rape victim in the house. So, you know, we have to go back in and get a better look. I mean, we get booby traps. We get a decapitation in this episode. There's like some really mean spirited stuff in here. And and the ending is like quite, it's quite a fucking crazy twist with uh, the woman that's a multiple amputee under the yeah. bed. It's, it's like Rob Zombie's X-File episode. It's it's wild. I This was the because because I heard my mother talking about it so much. This was the first episode of X-Files I ever saw for anyone who hasn't. I would not suggest it be for you. Um, you know, rewatching the series, uh, I, I honestly felt like the episode was more effective once I knew the characters more and got used to what the show usually typically is. Yeah. Uh, so and it, so it hit so much harder. You're right. This doesn't feel like a great place to start. They're a little more careless in this than they normally are. But uh, God damn it, it's good TV. It is scary as hell, too. Um, that was going to be my number two. So I'll just move that up to number three. And uh, Powell, we'll go to your number three. Patrick, you got to stop stealing my thunder here, bro. <laughs> Talking about shows that uh, normally aren't this way and then just decide to become scary all of a sudden. Um, so this is another one, probably up, the other classic one off a lot of top 10 scariest list is uh, Blink from Doctor Who. Uh, I don't know if either of you was a Doctor Who fan. I have not seen this show. Oh, Me man. Either. Okay. I'm Sell a, me. I'm a Who virgin. Okay, so... It's it was sort of revamped. There was the, the original series from like sixties ish. It was I mean, way early, and then they came back, I believe, late or mid nineties, and and kind of rebooted the show. And 
it was always sort of just campy fun sci-fi uh they didn't have the budget for like good effects necessarily at the time but they had really fun practical monster suits and things and alien suits uh but it was primarily a just a sci-fi straight show and you know some things got tense but out of nowhere where was it what season how far in were we uh okay so season three of the reboot david tennant's the doctor if you're a david tennant fan great reason to watch it because he's fucking awesome as the doctor but they do this episode where there are these stone angel statues and they can only move when you aren't looking at them and so uh basically you're not able to turn your back on any of them because they could come up and just instantly kill you and so there's a lot of clever ways to sort of get around that in the show and they trap them in the end by having them all end up looking at each other but um the ways that they get around it and the way that it just becomes a straight up i mean like almost blair witch style through v, like a uh, like camera feeds at one point um horror show for hmm. one episode they're, they're called weeping angels right yeah, yeah the weeping yeah. angels and they do come back i forgot what season they come back in at some point but they come back a while later um but it is terrifying uh the way like <laughs> it, it plays on every creepy you know sort of the doll that slowly moves its head kind of thing but you don't even get to see that you just basically a character will look one way and it'll be up against the wall and they'll turn back and it'll be like reaching out to them 10 feet closer to them and so you know if there's two on opposing sides of the room they have to find a way to you know uh keep an eye on both but it's uh scary as hell and it, it, in particular because it's so unexpected like you think you're turning on doctor who you've been lulled into this safety blanket of, of campy sci-fi and then suddenly they're like nah go fuck yourself <laughs> you're not gonna want to turn your lights off now I, I love monster mechanics like that i love like i mean I, i'm a big fan of the movie lights out and i i think uh i've always wanted someone to make like a really good straight horror medusa movie you know <laughs> okay number three for you patrick all right so number three is a tie but uh okay Within the same series. Wait, hold up. So you gave me all that shit for the tie earlier. <laughs> yeah, but mine's the same series. So I don't know. You know. Um, a tie between the Twin Peaks episode, Coma, which is, I believe, the second episode of season two, and Twin Peaks The Return, episode eight. So Twin Peaks, Coma is the first episode where you see the the figurehead for evil in Twin Peaks, the menace, Bob. And, you know, if you see Bob walking on the street, he's not that scary. But the way David Lynch films things and the uneasy atmosphere he creates with his characters and, and his camera, the, the introduction of Bob is is terrifying i mean it's it's literally just a char- character seeing him behind a couch uh very similar to the mud lady scare mud person scare in moholland drive um and that 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 single moment just, i don't know it's, it's just one of the scariest things i've ever seen on tv is that single moment um and then twin peaks the return episode eight is I, I, I don't know if I'd call it terrifying, so sorry if I'm defying this list, but it, it is it is one of the most uneasy, psychedelic, wild things I've ever seen on TV. It is the most freeform, 
uh, I'd say a non-animated show has gotten on a mainstream show has gotten on cable or or anywhere else. It's I, I, I literally do not know how to describe Twin Peaks episode eight. Has has have either of you guys seen it? I haven't. No. Well, it's completely black and white. Um, it doesn't feature any of the characters that you've seen in the first seven episodes. Um, and it takes you through a, a bunch of, of, of different worlds and series of events going from uh, the creation of evil to the atom bomb to uh, a hitchhiker to a radio station. And, and I, I really can't tell you specifically... Like, how it feels connected to the rest of the series but it is and it's insane and it's terrifying and wild i I actually quite like it when tv shows take those weird turns and then just have an episode that has nothing to do well seemingly nothing to do with the rest of the show and then connect somehow that sounds like a sounds like an interesting episode i don't want to make it sound like it's completely unrelated it's the basis for his entire season's whole world and ethos but plays as, you know, a psychedelic experimental film. All right. That's uh, episode eight, you said, of season three. Three. Okay. As well cool. as episode two of season two. All right. That's uh, Twin Peaks. Well, finally, I get to talk about one that you haven't queued up for me, Patrick. <laughs> and uh, this is my number two. From 2021, from the TV show Them... It is episode five, Covenant Eye. Have either of you seen them on Amazon Prime? No. No. So uh, for those listeners who haven't, it's basically about this uh, black family in 1953, and they move from North Carolina to an all-white neighborhood in Los Angeles, and their home slowly transforms into this place filled with evil forces, both next-door neighbors-wise and otherworldly stuff that's trying to destroy them. I reviewed this show earlier in the year, and in my review, I said that it was like extremely well made, but it also felt like I was being beat down every time I finished an episode because it's torturing this family. And at the same time, you as the viewer feel tortured. It feels like after I watched The Handmaid's Tale, the same way you watch an episode and you can't just binge another episode because like, fuck, it just took a lot out of me. What, 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 what do you think brings us back to those kinds of shows and movies? Because, you know, like, I'm going to be miserable after I watch this. Let's do it again. <laughs> what, what do you think? My, my number two is like that. But what do you, what do you think that is? And like, why, why, do you, why did you keep going? In my opinion, it's because you want to see those people being fucked up. I, I think you want to see them overcome that. And you want to see how they overcome it which is one of the reasons why I didn't love them. And maybe your number two has some elements of that that are better than this show. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, episode five, I think like as you watch this episode five is going to be the breaking point for some people where you either stop watching it all together or you decide to push through up. So up to this point, you've seen the family in L.A., but we don't know why they moved. And this episode starts with a flashback that explains that. Mm. And it starts with Lucky, who is the matriarch of the family. She's at home in North Carolina, alone with their with their baby boy named Chester. And instantly, when the episode starts, 
you have not seen Chester in the series up to that point. So the dread is already real. Mm. And she's at home alone. Their other two girls are at school. The husband is at work. And she hears this older white woman wandering up, singing a creepy song. They live out in the middle of nowhere. And this lady walks up, pets the dog, and she's just kind of acting like she randomly wandered over to say hi. And then you hear the baby cry from inside the house, and the old white woman says she wants to take him home with her. And of course, the the mom's like, you know, that's not that's not happening. And uh, the woman leaves and comes back with two big country boys, and they smash into the house. And things go very, very badly from there. And it was horrifying to watch. And this is this is an episode where I put them away for a little while. I was like, I don't want to see this shit anymore. Yeah, I did see a, a lot of discussion. Um, I mean, even just the title draws comparisons yeah. to Jordan Peele's work, you know, type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of discussion about the lines of what's, you know, what's black misery porn and what's... Yeah. Yeah, doing something. Yeah, you know. I know Antebellum at what point that same kind of issue. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. You know, at what point are you just using it to make people uncomfortable, to make them uncomfortable, or to learn something? Yeah, and that's one of the main criticisms that I had about this show is that it does feel like that, and any socio-economic or whatever social messages that are in the show kind of get lost in that because all you feel is misery watching it. And I said it like, it's a great looking show. It's well-produced. The horror is well done, but I would not recommend watching this show. It is horrifying. And when we talk about terrifying TV episodes, this one had to make my list just because of how uncomfortable it really made me feel. Understandably. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds awful. (laughs) It's, it is, it is. Uh, Powell, number two for you. I haven't followed this show actually pretty much after this season, um, but the first two seasons of American Horror Story I enjoyed. I particularly thought American Horror Story season two was pretty cool and gross and and actually fucked up and kind of scary. I don't know if either of you just gave mm-hmm. up after season one like a lot of people. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, I watched, I think I stopped after, two. I watched like the first two episodes of Apocalypse and stopped. Okay. I think that's how far. I got pretty far. Okay. Too far. <laughs> but I've, so, yeah. I've seen a couple here and there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I tried to catch up on a couple of later ones as well, the, uh, the, the Coven one I enjoyed. But there was a two-parter in the middle. Um, I personally, I'm going to focus on part two because that's the one that fucked me up. It's a huge, there's a lot of things revealed in this episode, a lot of very upsetting things and stuff you've been wondering about. But the main one kind of ties back to my original fear that i was talking about with with that episode of angel with the limbs and and this does that to the nth fucking degree um there's a character who you've seen moderately being operated on throughout by this uh this horrible doctor uh arden and like he's doing some experiments on her but you don't see her fully messed up till this point and like you know that he's done one or two amputations but you haven't like seen the monstrosity and all of its uh glory uh there's a moment at the end when she manages to crawl out of the lab and like end up sort of at a children's playground and uh characters like like her face is like half melting off covered in boils both of her legs are missing from the knee down and it's just this 
it's like that's the image from the show that stuck with me more than any of the other seasons is just like her crawling out onto this playground and like the juxtaposition is just very effective um as well as for me again it sort of plays into that like uh not only loss of identity but like mutilation of identity it just got me a lot there are there are some other really heavy subjects they're dealing on this one too there's some aversion therapy that one of the characters undergoing as well that she's sort of forced into doing and this season also has the best christmas episode in the series the santa is super scary in it (laughs) <laughs> uh that, 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 that man that season held it together until like the final episode yeah it, just, I, it went it goes full ryan murphy in the final episode it does <laughs> it really does uh and take it or leave it some people really enjoyed it i i'd have to watch it again to tell you how i feel now but this image of her crawling out still mm-hmm. stuck with me after how much how many years now a while i'm not gonna say how many years but a while <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think obviously the uh, the knock on Murphy is that late season stuff kind of runs out of gas. I'm interested in how the newest one went because I haven't seen the newest version, but it's called Double Feature, where it's like two yeah, six episode sh- things. It was shorter. He gave him less himself less time to fuck up. I think yeah. I, I heard good things about it. I did. Hmm, I'll have to go back. I was also interested in the 1984 one. I just haven't had chance to like oh, jump in. I like 1984. Yeah, it seems like something right up my alley. Nineteen, it's it's his, it's the simplest season out of all of them. I mean, it's a it's a slasher. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. slasher season. It's fun. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Cool, pal. That was uh, Asylum, the double episode from uh, the second season of American Horror Story. Yeah, I am Anne Frank, part one and two. Patrick, number two for you. All right, so along the veins of uh, real world horror. Probably some of the most stressful, unsettling, scary TV I've watched in the past couple years was HBO's Chernobyl. Mm. The one that stuck with me the most uh, was probably episode two, which is the media aftermath of the first explosion. Um, you spend most of the episode in in the hospital, uh, seeing the flood of, of victims uh, who don't know that they're going to be victims to another explosion, too. Um and beyond just the uh, sights uh, and, and tension of, you know, uh, everybody inside that hospital, the uh, working mechanics of a, a shitty government hit pretty hard at that time. <laughs> um, uh, and and we're, we're quite, right, quite scary and unsettling. Uh, works along the same lines as, as a, another movie I love. Uh, Shin Godzilla, which is a, a perfectly devastating, terrifying, and often very funny, funny movie. Uh, but yeah, the, the the clash of real world body horror and uh, failed state uh, extreme descent is just was really scary and awful to watch. <laughs> and that that is a show that I was I was stressed out and miserable every time I finished an episode and kept on going. All right, so that's Chernobyl at Patrick's number 2, the second episode. So, leading to the grand finale here, when you started saying real world horror, I was like, uh-oh, is he going to also <laughs> spoil bullets. my number 1? <laughs> But no. Um, okay, so like when we were talking about the topic, scariest TV shows, most terrifying TV episodes, 
it, it left a lot of wiggle room, right? And and some of that real world horror, gosh, it it made its way into this episode, the f- season premiere of season two of the Canadian cop show nineteen two. Have either of you seen or heard of nineteen two? No. Mm-mm. All right, so nineteen two is an awesome. If you like the Shield, like it's a it's a cop show. It's mm-hmm. uh it it's about the nineteenth precinct and the the partners who are the two. Um, they're these mismatched partners, and they get put together after you know things go down in the first season, and we're kind of dealing with that in the first season. And it's uh, it's comparable to the shield and that it's not flashy. It's not about like the action scenes and those scenes of action. They're really deliberately spaced out. So you deal with the repercussions of those things. It's a really smart show. The second season starts out just with a fucking bang. It starts out pretty typically. You have our two partners. They're rolling up to a daycare because uh, they've gotten a call that there's a snake loose in the daycare. So they're, you know, looking for the snake and stuff and they find the snake and and no big deal. And then one of the guys gets a call and it's like, hey, possible vandalism at the school. And so he gets on the walkie and he's like, oh, we're we're two blocks away. We're on the way. Cuts to a commercial. We come back. They're driving up to the school. And as they get out of the car, you hear gunshots. And. What happens from that point is a 13-minute-long one-take of these two officers running into the school, guns drawn. You see the janitor come out. They're like, get on the ground. He's like, I'm the janitor. I'm the janitor. He's in there with a gun. And we have a school shooting going on, a 13-minute one-take. The rest of the episode basically deals with this school shooting, but uh, it's a it's a live shooter in the school. And you see these cops try and figure out how to how to secure the school. And as they're going through, you see bodies on the ground. You see violence happening in this school. And I watched this episode after the fact. This is the reason why uh, this show got on my radar is because somebody's like, you know, as far as terrifying scenes go, this is when you got to see. So I, I watched the first season. And it's like, oh, this is a really good show. Starting off with se- with the uh, first episode of season two, holy shit, I knew it was coming and I'm still sitting there in shock, almost shaking because of how real it looks and the terror in these guys' eyes. There's a, a scene in there where this dude is, he, he has this girl on the ground and, and there's two people on the ground. One's like, hey, 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 she's still breathing. So he picks her up and we follow him as he runs outside with her, all part of this one take to figure out where a fucking ambulance is. It is some of the most harrowing TV you'll ever see. It's really, really well done. 19.2 is the show. It won a bunch of awards, so it is a, just an overall good show. But, man, it is, um, in terms of terrifying TV, it's one of the most terrifying scenarios you can think of because this stuff happens, unfortunately, all the time in this country. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do like a, a lot of media that's dealt with with uh, school shootings, uh, Mar- um, we need to talk about Kevin is amazing. The dirt, the dirties, is, yep. is a great found footage movie. Uh, I think even American Horror Story season one had a, did, a pretty yeah. good school shooting episode. But I mean, it that that's it'd be really hard for me to randomly watch an episode of TV if I didn't know that was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I 
I, I struggle watching uber realistic stuff like that because of especially now when we're it, it was happening quite often you know 10 10 or so years ago and San, we just passed the, the anniversary of like sandy hook and stuff yeah but now we're getting uh you know phone footage of you know as people are going through these drills or these active scenarios i mean i i had to pull over uh you know from driving home you know a couple weeks ago because i saw this, this footage in the middle of a potential school shooting and these these kids are inside their classroom and they their their door is locked and the shooter is pretending to be a cop trying to get them to come out and they they get the cop the person outside the door like accidentally slips and says the word bro and they're like he said mm -hmm. bro he's not a cop get out of here and it's like all, and this is like this is i mean this is like kids live streaming this footage like it's it's terrifying so i i have trouble with with you know modern day stuff like that being being thrown on me but completely recognize the importance and how effective it can be for sure yeah this one is effective and it's it's the craft that went into at least that 13 minute one take is, is really amazing but just the the acting is top notch too showing the terror of a school shooting so I recommend the show as a whole. That episode will definitely, uh, it'll be tough for a lot of people. It was tough for me. No, lighten us up. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it with, uh, okay. Oh, wait, no, yours is pretty depressing still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and another one that hit me, again, maybe personally really hard and people who've dealt with, with this issue. Um, I, for the longest time, had really bad sleep paralysis uh, and night terror issues. Uh, all the way up to sleepwalking and uh took like five years to get rid of them I, I they started after college and i don't know still haven't figured out why finally got rid of them um but the bent neck lady the episode uh of ha a haunting of hill house has mm. probably one of just like the more upsetting uh depictions i would say like realistic depictions of that that i've um that I've ever seen. Uh, they handle it really well. Uh, just <laughs> um, <laughs> from the just the ability to like only move your eye, not knowing what's real in the room. Yeah, they absolutely nailed it. Um, if if uh, yeah, I have I had a I had a I had a, a runner up of a I, I had to bring it up of a movie that did this too. I don't know if you saw the Night House, but there's a scene at like 38 minutes in in the Night House that also just fucking nails the sleep paralysis thing if you ever want to fuck yourself up watch the movie nightmare i'm good oh that is that the documentary yeah it's half doc half not yeah there's yeah, a lot yeah. of kind of reenactment stuff around this this subject yeah really really good not good for you pal but probably I'm, not but, uh, <laughs> good i'm just saying like if you're ever low and want to get lowered yeah perfect like, great <laughs> i will say if, if anyone's curious as to as to what it's like to yeah i mean obviously they heighten it with the the look of the monster usually when it's real you don't sometimes you don't even know what it is it's just a really bad feeling you don't even know what's in the room but um that is top of my list because it hit home pretty hard all right that's the haunting of hill house the bent neck lady it ain't got shit on my number one. Oh, no. all right cap us off patrick this was for for my dollar for my wallet for the as long for the majority of my life I stake the claim that this is the scariest TV show of all time because of who it was for and what it did. 
and this is the scariest episode from that show, is King's Ra- King Ramsey's Curse from <laughs> Courage the Cowardly Dog. Return the slab. Return the slab. Very nice choice. I I I grew up terrified of this show. You know, I even even as I was re- started reading Stephen King, I blazed through The Shining and and loved Cujo. Refused to watch Courage the Cowardly Dog. <laughs> and specifically, King's Ram- King Ramsey's curse was scary too because the villain. <clears throat> which once his uh his slab returned um it, it's it's he's cgi like yeah. really rudimentary cgi when uh everything else is in 2d and it's this weird upsetting mixed media type that calls upon called upon my you know uncanny valley senses and it, it just freaked the shit out of me. That and the, I don't remember the name of the character, but there's a, another CG villain in the show, the, you're not perfect. There's also evil eggplants. Like, I still hate eggplants. Like, the, the show got in under my skin for years and years and years. And it is, there's, there's a lot of just upsetting imagery that kids don't need to see. Or maybe they do need to see. I don't know. I did it. <laughs> I didn't want to see it. I'll say that much. Led to you guys making a movie eventually, though. So yeah, maybe it's came, good for We people. came out fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you mentioned the the animation in that. It is weird. It looks like a PlayStation 1 style mm-hmm. graphic, and it is really creepy. But I think the voice is the most freaky thing, oh, as he no, says, return the slab. But look, just type <laughs> in, you're not perfect. And it's this the CG fetus looking thing hooked up to a tube with a stunted arm and it is terrifying courage the cowardly dog king ramsey's curse at number one i'm glad that they made your list that was on my short list of honorable mentions (laughs) did uh powell did you have any honorable mentions of things that you wanted to bring up but just didn't have the room uh i feel like i did that with my tie i think my tie kind of covered that base I mean, just for uh, you know, nerd cred, I do want to say I do love things like Twilight Zone and Are You Afraid of the Dark and all of these classic things. I do want to give a shout out to the way too early canceled The Exorcist TV show. Yes. Yeah. And fantastic show with really hot priests. Uh, there's <laughs> no reason for that not to still be on TV. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that made me sad about that show was how how much work it looked like uh, Gina Davis had done on herself. She just didn't even look like Gina Davis. Patrick, I think you and I watched the pilot that together. But like in terms of like, I mean, because we're seeing, I mean, we're so the Exorcist series. One of the seasons is a sequel to the original Exorcist. Yep. Um, and I thought it, I thought it did it very right, uh, and especially in an age when we're getting a lot of that, you know. This is the real sequel to Halloween, and we're about to get it again. <laughs> David Dord, Gordon Green's about to do a real sequel trilogy to The Exorcist, you know. And I'm generally not a fan of that. I'm like, respect your franchise and deal with it. Like, I see it as a challenge. Like, sure. I want to know, like, yeah, sure, take the easy route, make a direct sequel, and steal the parts you like. Or you want a real challenge, you know, respect the history of the franchise and, you know see what you can do uh, <laughs> yeah is, you have to deal like with the idea. fact that halloween six exists exactly. <laughs> yeah challenge yourself you know make i want a direct sequel to hellraiser inferno let's get let's get to it right now you mentioned twilight zone there were a lot of great twilight zone episodes mm-hmm. but long distance call 
is one where this dead grandma calls a kid on a toy wooden telephone telling him to walk into traffic and join her. And it's oh, always God. it's always had an effect on me. It just oh, couldn't God. make my list. But I, gosh, I love, it was a good one. I love I love phone horror. So I'll, I'll definitely have to look that up. And if you like phone horror too, check out the Crypt TV short Rotary, directed by Patrick Young and Pal Robinson. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Made for an astounding two hundred dollars uh, on an off weekend. Madison West of Threshold, twenty twenty one, now out on Arrow Player and Arrow Blu-ray. Well, that is a good segue into our plugs. Is it? So, was it? Oh no. <laughs> Go check out Threshold right now on Aeroplayer. Go get the Blu-ray. Like they said, there's a documentary on there that is longer than the movie. So check that out. And uh, the two commentaries as well. Uh, What else do you guys have to plug? What else do you want people to see? Check out. Where do you want them to do it? We've got a a bunch of stuff that Patrick and I are both doing together. And then we've each got some exciting stuff on the sides. I guess we can start with the the together stuff. Um, Patrick and I have a, a slate of not only movies but projects that um the tv documentary um, as well that we would love to get made uh, the range of stuff patrick maybe can kind of talk about at least the, the feature list of things oh not at all i'm not okay yeah I'll, I'll fuck off today yeah great <laughs> <laughs> yep um you know we, we we've got excited things coming hopefully in this next year um i'd say if if you enjoy threshold and watch a movie that's nothing like it. Watch our first movie, Bastard, uh, which is a hack and slash '80s throwback, uh, chaos-driven uh, film that I think uh, gorehounds enjoy quite a bit. That we made uh, when we were twenty and twenty-one. Yeah, 21? yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. right after college. Part of uh, After Dark's horror fest, their final. We we helped kill the horror fest franchise. But yeah, no, watch Threshold, watch the other great movies on Arrow. There's a lot, they're putting out a lot of original movies there too. Um, And give us a follow on social media because I guarantee within the next two or three months we'll be announcing something in some form next. Very cool. And where can people follow you on social media? I will add the links in the show notes, but uh, just toss it out there. Yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter, at JustYoungEnough and Powell. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Pow- just Powell underscore Robinson. Pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, that's us. All right, cool. Patrick and Powell, thanks so much for coming on. Great lists. Listeners, get on Aeroplayer. Go watch Threshold. You uh, Just go buy the Blu-ray. Go buy the Blu-ray and then watch it on, on Aeroplayer anyway. And then when you get the Blu-ray, watch the documentary. And then, and then, uh, and if, and if you have any more questions or about, not even about our movie, but just about making... Uh, your own independent movie DMS we're open books this is why we did it we want to talk to you which terrifying TV episodes did we miss let me know on social media at force5pod on twitter and force5podcast on instagram and your comment might just make it to the show if you want to help me out rate the show on wherever you listen to your podcast you can even now rate on spotify and annoyingly spread the word for me Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and return the slab.